Isn't God good? God is good. God is good. Amen. Would you make your way back to your seats this morning? It is a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord. Have you enjoyed the weather for the last couple of days? Anybody? Oh, yeah. Well, there's three people that enjoyed it. The rest of you are strange. Wow. God is so faithful. He's so good. And today, you know, as we get started, uh, I have a, a strong word for you today that I want to share with you. Before I do that, I do want to remind you uh, the joy of tax season. Anybody? Oh, thank you, Jesus. But I do want to tell you, for those that are asking about, uh, about your giving statements, you should be get, getting those in the email. If you have any questions about those, feel free to email or call the office. But you should be seeing those. For those of you that haven't given emails, maybe you give, in the, give not online, but you give in the house and uh, you haven't gotten one yet, no worries. Next week, we will have those available for you in the lobby. There will be somebody there. They can hand it, put this via an envelope. They can hand it right to you that way as well. So uh, we are thankful for the increase in so many ways that God has provided for this body. And it's because of you. I'll tell you guys, uh, last week, <laughs> I started looking around, and uh, in the second service, I, I was telling my wife last night, I said, I'm going to start asking some of the second service people to start coming to the first service, because it was jam-packed in this place <laughs> last Sunday, and I'm like going, y'all, I don't want a third service yet. I, I, I'm ready. <laughs> we need to have them over here. What I'm trying to tell you is God is so faithful. And I am thankful to be able to be at such a wonderful place with wonderful people. As you came in today, whether you noticed it or not, maybe you couldn't see it because of cars, but the stakes are all in the ground that is done for the, by the surveyors for the property to begin being built. <laughs> hoping that permits come in. Uh, they were hoping they came in Friday. They could have. I don't know that yet. But if, if that's the case, we have them in hand. We could start turning dirt as soon as next week. So we are excited about what God's doing. That is amazing. And uh, we were laughing and said, as soon as we get it built, it's going to be too small. So anyway, praise God for, for great problems, right? But God is faithful. And I just want to remind you about that open house, as you just heard in the, in the, in the uh, announcements, is don't forget, guys, if you've been here Perhaps you've been here for a year, but you really have not been engaged, or maybe you really don't know everything that our church believes and stands on. You know what? Be there. You say, but I've been here a long time. If you've never been to one of these, this would be the one for you to come to, okay? It's totally cool, and uh, we would love for you to be there. But we need you to sign up and let us know you're coming so that we can be prepared for you. So it is going to be amazing. Thank you for all of you that have already pre-signed up and all that. We are going to have a great, great, great time in that. So today what I want to do, we're starting a brand new series called Set Apart. I can't imagine a more important teaching than what we're embarking on for this month. Set apart. We live in a day, and we all know this because the, the struggle is real, that we live in a day where in some instances the life of a believer doesn't look very different from the life of an unbeliever. And I want to just make you understand something. You're not supposed to look and act like the world looks and acts. 
I'm not talking about the fashions. I'm not talking, I'm, I'm speaking spiritually. People say, well, some of the fashions, maybe they do need not look different. But let me tell you something. Here's what I believe. I don't worry about that stuff mainly because here's what happens. If you get the spiritual right, the outward changes as well. But what I want to let you know is this, is that you're called to be different. Be different. For some of you, you know, that you, it's easy to be different. You know, I, I was always, you know, it's like I'd meet people growing up and they'd say, you know, you're, you're kind of different. But they didn't mean it in a good way. What I'm telling you is God has called us to be set apart. And that's going to be a challenge for some of you, to be able to look into your life and see, where is it that I'm not set apart as God would want me to be? So we're going to dig into that this morning because I want to answer the question, why? Why do I need to be set apart? What does that even look like for me as a believer? Maybe you're a new believer. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for 20 years or more. Uh, you know, and some of you sit out there saying, you know, I've been serving the Lord longer than you've been alive. That's getting harder to say these days because as old as I've got, it, that's saying something. But what I want you to know is that all of us need to be constantly evaluating our walk with God. So let's dig into that. So if you would stand to your feet this morning, we're going to open up our Bibles and we're going to go all deeply into the New Testament to a small epistle, a small letter in 1 Peter. I want to go to 1 Peter and I'm going to read out of the first chapter. There's some challenging things. Let me tell you, if, if you're somebody that, you know, you kind of stick to the Gospels, that's great. You need the Gospels in you. Absolutely, of course you do. But if you're skipping over these teachings, these, these small letters that are in the New Testament, you're missing some intensely powerful teachings to help you be who God's called you to be. So let's look at this in 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want to look in just a few verses. We're going to start in verse 13. The Bible says, So prepare your minds for action. I'm going to read out of the NLT today. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. Wow. It's going to be a good one. Let's pray. Father, for the next few moments... Lord, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of your people. We recognize, Father, as believers, we know that we're to be set apart from the world, but active in the world. Lord, we need you to guide us because it's difficult. Because sometimes we feel like we're tiptoeing on a line and the line keeps moving. But Father, help us to see that your line never moves. And God, I pray that it's your, your word that is sown into the hearts of your people and that it brings back a harvest of good in every single life. Lord, 
when we leave today, may we leave changed. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. So what does this mean? What does this passage mean? Well, the question comes to me is this, is shouldn't we be distinct as believers? I mean, shouldn't we be separate from the world? Now, we've heard this taught is that we're supposed to be separate from the world, uh, in the world, but not of the world, right? And what that means, in a, in a nutshell, is simply this. We are ambassadors of the salvation, of the gospel, of the grace, of the hope that God has given all of us. We are ambassadors of light in a world of darkness, no matter where we go. And the more we blend into the world standards, the less light we provide in the darkness. So today it's really important for us to understand, especially in a world, guys, we're in a world on the brink of war. It seems every day it gets more intensive. Every day. And uh, somebody was asking me the other day, they said, Pastor, is it going to get better? Is it going to get better? Oh, I believe it'll get better. I believe the opportunities to be the church, it's going to get better and better and better. But the world is going to get darker and darker and darker. I'm telling you, this is the greatest time for believers to be alive, to be able to do the work of the house of God, to do the work of the gospel, to be the bearers of hope when there's disaster all around us, when fear and anxiety are the one thing that we hear about all the time. So how do we do that? How do we be separate in that? We want to be like Jesus, right? Isn't that our goal? Is to walk as close to being like Jesus, his guiding and his teaching as close as we can to that. And um, I think a great word, a modern translation of the word holy in this instance would be different. So God's calling us to be different. In our world, we have mapped holiness, we've defined holiness in some very odd ways. And it's fascinating to me. Uh, my, my family, uh, in, in the past, my father was the first to kind of step away from that, but they were steeped in the holiness movement. And uh, in the holiness movement, you know, it's like you had to wear long dresses, ladies, you had to long wear dresses, long dresses, you couldn't cut your hair, you couldn't wear makeup, all those things. Can I just tell you, as a, as a, a red-blooded man in the United I, I thank you, God, for makeup. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm telling you. It's, it's a beautiful thing. But see, here's the problem I want to say, and I'm not picking on anybody else's belief systems. What I'm trying to tell you is this, is that we've, we've redefined holiness to define, uh, to be whatever a particular denomination or line of thinking wants it to be. When I don't think the Bible is very difficult to understand in most areas. So, when we look at it from this perspective, if we're going to have a modern word to translate that, the biblical word holy describes the contemporary word different. So he's saying be different. In other words, a holy person lives life differently. Our thoughts are different. Our actions are different. Our responses are different. So the real question really comes down to this. It's very simple as you look at your own life. Am I different? Am I standing out in this world? 
And it's, you know, when we begin to really realize that, it's, it's a powerful thought process, but it's also that place of saying, God, I sur- I've got to surrender more of myself to you. I've got to quit playing a game. I've got to be that person that you called me to be. I like what Eugene Peterson, he described that life as uh, of being, being holy. He described it as this. He described it as energetic and blazing with holiness. So let's just take his word and say energetic and blazing with holiness to energetic and blazing with the differences between you and the world. You see, I'm going to tell you, I don't want to fit in. Not to the world. And the problem that we have is we, we are conformists. Most of us have learned to be quiet and go with the flow. Can I just tell you this as believers? The day of being quiet and going with the flow is over. Being quiet and going with the flow has reaped a horrible harvest in our country. As we look around us, I had a friend call and said, Pastor, I've got a lady coming through my ministry who's in, uh, this is in another state, and she said, I've got a lady coming through my ministry who's coming through her her and her kids, they've been in a horrible domestic violence situation, and there are no groups, there, there are no uh, outlets for them in the state of Florida right now for us to be a part, to, for me to send her, because the illegal immigrants have swamped the system to where these people can't find the help that they need. Guys, we live in a broken place. We live in a time when we see in our school systems, and you've heard me say this so many times, and I, I, I'm not going to just repeat it over and over, but we live in a time where the attacks against our children, the attacks against your freedoms as believers, these things are very real. And the time for you to be silent is no more. The time for you to be active in your faith and to be assured of this, I'm standing for what I know is right. I am different from the world. I am different. And don't mistake being different and being a believer is being passive in what you believe. We need to be active and aggressive in what we believe. Now, when we do that properly, and this is another message, but when we do that properly, you'll find that it's not abrasive, so to speak, it's love. Now, let me rechange that. The gospel's going to be abrasive, right? Because it goes against the grain of everything that our culture and our world holds value to. But what I can tell you is this, is when we do it correctly and we do it with the love of God, the grace saturates it when we do it. The love of God saturates it and makes it effective. But the first step is realizing I have to be set apart. So what does it mean? Very simply, what does it mean to be different? What does it mean in this instance of being that person? And the Apostle Paul answers this question. I've kind of summarized a couple of things from this passage with two key thoughts for you today. The first one is this, living a set-apart life requires that you think differently. And you think, well, that, that's such an easy one. Really, I had to come to church today to hear that thought? No, you came to church today to hear that scripture and to hear this thought tied to that scripture so that you'll stop thinking stupidly, right, and start thinking the way God wants you to think. I'm going to tell you, I see things all the time, and as I deal with people and everything in their lives, and they say, what, is my, what would you say my biggest problem is, Pastor? Well, how about we just let Scripture speak for that? 
Because the scripture says in 1 Peter 1.13, we've already read it, says, so prepare your minds for action. Prepare your mind for action. What is, what is he teaching us here? That we need to be prepared for what's coming. We need to make sure that our thought life is right. In the New King James, which is my preferred version, in the New King James, it says, gird up the loins of your mind. Prepare yourselves. And how do we do that with thinking? I can tell you very quickly. Garbage in, garbage out. You want to be an overcomer in your thought life. You want to be anointed. You want to walk in the fullness of who God's called you to be. Then you know what you got to do? You've got to stop putting the trash into your mind because the trash that you put in is affecting the way you think. All of a sudden, the things that you wouldn't have compromised becomes, well, maybe a little bit of that. Because of the, let's just, let's get real basic. Because of your allowance of, of certain uh, TV programming into your life. And it says, well, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just light romance. No, 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 it's, it's soft porn. And you think, you, why do I think the way that I think? Because that's what you fill your mind with. You know, I want to tell you, if you want to be depressed all the time, listen to the most depressing country songs that you can listen to. You'll be depressed. You'll find yourself at the bar crying over a beer. But the Holy Spirit's not going to be there with you. Okay, that's another thing. Anyway, let's keep going. You've got to change the way you think. And, you know, and I want to tell you, this is one of the greatest battles. One of my great friends and a great friend of this church, Pastor Eddie Turner, wrote a book about our mind and the importance of that. And so we don't have enough time for me to go deeply into that today. But listen, what I want you to get a hold of today is that you are required to think differently. You are required to think differently. And your mind is going to be the precursor to what your actions are. So you say, what is the importance of gathering with believers? What is the importance of church? You want the goodness of the word of God and the worship of believers together, the discipleship that comes in your small groups, the discipleship that comes in the gatherings when you're having coffee with somebody pre-service, post-service, of when you're gathering with people. And you need that fellowship to strengthen who you are so that what's coming into your spirit, into your mind, causes your actions to be the correct ones. We need those things. Can I tell you one of the greatest mistakes that I see people make in, in church? And this is just, a, just a, a precursor for bad decisions. Is this. You know, uh, we live in an area, we live in a very, uh, I guess we could say Christiocentric society in the area that we're in. You know, most people have some background in the church. Right. One of, the, one of the things that happened with that is there's this thing. My dad always told, he told other pastors when they'd come to town, they'd come to him and ask him for advice. And he would, they'd say, what should I know? And he goes, well, if you can, if you can survive the three-year roll, you'll be okay. You know, the three-year roll is this, is that because after three years, some people, they decide there's things wrong in their life. So they decide, well, the fix for it is for me to go to another church. And what I'm telling you is this, is what happens in some people's lives is they don't realize that God puts a shepherd over your life, he puts a pastor over your life to help you navigate these things that you don't understand. 
to help you see from a different perspective, not to control you or tell you what you're going to do or anything, but to guide you. And the mistake people make is they decide to make these major shifts in their lives and never discuss it with a shepherd. So what I want to tell you is it's a thinking problem. It's a, it's a thought process that we need to understand. I need to submit my thoughts to the Lord. Paul says it this way in Romans 12 too. We know this passage so well. It says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. How do we, I know this is 101, but how do we renew our mind? We throw ourselves into the word. We throw ourselves into the things of God. We throw ourselves into discipleship. You're saying, men, if you're struggling with your thought life, if you get around other men who are overcoming that, what do you do? You show up on Tuesday night with all the other men and show up and do this work together. It changes things. That's how we renew our mind. That's the value of, that's one value of being part of the church. And it says, only then, when you've done those things, will you know the good and perfect will of God for you. So the importance of us understanding our thinking is so important. But there's another part that's important, too. And these are very obvious, but sometimes it's the obvious that we miss. So the first one was that we think differently. The second one is living a set-apart life requires that you live differently. Live differently. What does that look like? What does living different even really look like in our life? First Peter the, uh, 1 verse 15 says this, says, but now you must be holy in everything you do. In other words, now you must be different in everything you do. You know, being a part of the modern church, and uh, as, a, as a young pastor, as I was coming up, my father was very traditional very traditional in his environment, in his, his world. And as I stepped into ministry, one of the very popular things, and I'm, that's why one of the things I'm so thankful that I got to serve with my father for so long, because I'm going to tell you right now, it helped me avoid some things in my life and some terms that I've seen a lot of other people take, and I go, thank you, God, for helping me putting glue on, on my shoes and keeping me where I needed to be. And I can tell you this. Get planted, get rooted. This is one thing my dad always taught me. Get planted, get rooted where you are so that God can use you because you need that. But dad would, we would do all these things, but what I realized was as the church culture began to change, there were little things that would happen and, and basically just to sum it in a, in a really easy way to understand we looked at all the things that were wrong, and there were things that were wrong. There were some abuses. There were some things that we look at and say, you know, you know th that, that might have been a little fleshy, and that might, you know, all these things. The problem was what we ended up doing, and I'm talking about corporately as the body of Christ, not just the one church, is throw the baby out with the bathwater. To the place to where we come into a place where now a lot of the people that come into the house and they've never been here, they're visiting, and they're hearing about spiritual warfare. They're hearing about the reality of the Holy Spirit active in their lives. And they're going, I've never heard that before. And that blows my mind. Why is that? Because we threw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, what if something gets weird? Do you not have any weird stuff going on in your life? Do you ever not ever see any weird stuff? 
have you ever been to a football game? Look, I'm not a sports guy, but I'm going to tell you this. The, I see, y'all crazy. I've seen people break television sets. I've seen people, I've, they'll go in the middle of winter and it's below zero. They'll go and then they won't come to church because it's raining. You don't call that weird? They'll go in this freezing weather and strip their shirts off. And these are the men. They're stripping their shirts off and they paint their body. And they're, I, I'm telling you. And guys, please, I'm not asking you to come to the church, rip your shirt off and painted body. That's not what I want at all. But we want to say, I don't want that weirdness. I'm afraid of that weirdness. I'm afraid of that. Are you serious? What I'm trying to tell you is that we, do, we, we hold the church to a different standard in our own lives. And what I'm trying to tell you is open yourself to the reality of who God is and what he wants to do. Because the truth is, when we live differently you will find the power of God moving in your life. But the thing about it, when we say we threw the things out with the bathwater, is there's some things that we've discarded along the way. And today, you'll notice, even over the next few weeks, you're going to notice some of these, that you can call them a bench, you can call them whatever they are, but they're altars. You know what I love about this altar? There's nothing fancy about this altar. There's nothing fancy about that. But I remember in my dad's office, there was a bench just like this. And I remember walking into my dad's office many times, many times. And my dad would be on his knees at that altar, weeping and praying over the people that God had placed in his life. Today, we would rather go to social media and get a two-minute theology session. And I'm going to tell you this. Spend that time at the altar. Spend that time in what used to be. You see why? Because sometimes you have to redig the wells of your father. Because I find myself at places in my life realizing that if I'm going to live different, there are things that I need to do differently. Because when I find myself at this place and I find life spinning out of control, there's nothing else in this world that's going to have the answers that you'll find at that altar. There's nowhere else on this planet, there's nothing else in this world that's going to give you the freedom and the discernment and the understanding and the peace that an old-fashioned altar will give you. I would walk in and see my big, tall daddy. And I would listen. I would hear my father cry out for his family. <laughs> then I'd hear him begin as he cried and wept I'd hear him call out people's names and he spent so much time at that altar do you know where his best messages and most anointed messages came from they weren't AI generated I can tell you that 
They were found at an altar just like this. We used to have prayer closets. Y'all remember those? You remember that movie Prayer Room? You know what was so beautiful about that? It was a reminder of a tradition that used to be in the people of God's lives. Do you have an altar? The truth is you do. But what is it? I was really thinking about this and I taught about this on some Wednesday nights. And I had this realization that many of us are sacrificing our lives. That's what an altar's for. It's for sacrifice. We're sacrificing on the wrong altars. We're expecting God to do these miraculous things in our lives. We're needing God to give us breakthrough. We want revival. We want all this. But we're at the wrong altar. So my question for you today, what does living different look like? I can tell you some of the modern answers I've sought for, some of the new revelations that I've sought for have only brought me back to what I always knew, an old-fashioned altar. That bench that was in my dad's office, I have no idea where it's at now. I assume one of my siblings have it, and I'll steal it from him at some point. (laughs) But it wasn't his first. It was given to him by another man of God who was reaching the end of his journey, and he gave it to my father. And I think about all the battles that are won at a simple bench that's been turned into an altar of the holy. See, some of you are fighting battles today. And you're wondering, what do I do? Live differently. Think differently. Redig the wells of our fathers that have been thrown away because they're not modern. Let me tell you something. We see the results of modern modernity. I'm telling you, you want to see a God move in your family? You want to see God do something amazing in your life? You want to see a breakthrough? You want to see an addiction broken? There's an altar. And today as I close, I didn't come with you with some deep theological thought as we start this series. I came to you with two ideas that the Word of God teaches us. Take care of your thoughts and live different. How do we live different? A good place for you to start is to start sacrificing at the right altar. I remember when, I'll end with this story. I remember as I grew up, and some of you will be like me, I I grew up, uh, and I'm so grateful for my heritage. I am so grateful uh, for how I grew up. Uh, I, I grew up in a time, we went to church all the time. We were at church all the time. Anybody else grow like that? I mean, it was all the time. Do y'all remember these revival weeks? They'd have revival. We had revival. It seemed like we had one a month. You know, it's like revival, revival. As a kid, I'm going, oh, man. 
My dad was a tent revivalist. So I grew up literally in sawdust tent revivals. And let me tell you something. These services weren't this. Look, in modern church, we've cultivated our people that, you know what, if the message goes over 30 minutes or if worship goes a little long, you know, that's a few too many songs. I, I was kind of tired of standing up. I was kind of getting tired of worship. I, I was kind of, I was ready for something different at that point, you know. And, oh, the, you mean the preacher, he should give me two points, even though I gave you two points, but still. He gave me two points, give me a quick meal, and let me go home and get my stuff done. I got, it's Saturday, it's my only day off. In those days, we got up, went to church. We didn't have multiple services in my, in my world. We had one service, and it lasted forever. Forever. And then you'd finally get done, and we'd go home. To, we'd go to Mama's house, to, where I was young. I lived there. And we would go, to, we'd go home, and we'd have lunch at home, even though it was almost dinner time or supper time, depending on what area of the country you come from. And, and we would finally get there, and we'd have enough time to eat before we went back for the evening service. And you didn't want to miss the evening service because that was the really good one. <laughs> that was the win when Miss Martha, she's going to lose it, and she's going to knock over some chairs. And as a kid, that was the best. But the reason I say that is, is this, is we, we come to this place where we want God to speak inside this little box that we create for him and say, God, do what you're going to do, but do it right here. Let me tell you something. Church is a lifestyle. Church is a commitment to each other. Church is an everyday event. Church is a place where, let me tell you, don't ever let me or a pastor have to say, guys, come on, we're having a prayer meeting. I need you to get here. When you hear there's a prayer meeting, get yourself into the house of God for the prayer meeting. Why? Because we do it. Now, and, and I'm not, I know, I, I'm, I'm rambling at this point and I'm stopping. But I just want you to realize that our lives are supposed to look different. But we've conformed our expectations based upon a, a modern church model. Let's be honest, it's failed. So what do we do? You need an old-fashioned altar. You need an old-fashioned experience with God where you submit yourself like we were praying in the altars today when you kneel down. You say, God, I repent. God, forgive me for compromise. Forgive me for putting the wrong things in my mind. Forgive me for not being the husband that I should be. Forgive me for not being the light. Forgive, I'm telling you, it'll change things. And you want to talk about a revival. <laughs> when the body of the church begins to find that altar for themselves, you, you wouldn't find a seat in this place. Why? because we're living the lives that we're supposed to live. Think differently, live differently. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning? Roger, if you'll grab that altar and put it back down. Father, today.